Welcome to the United Reformed Church podcast. A fortnightly series that explores the URC's focus on Christian discipleship mission. And what it means to be walking the way of Jesus today. Today we will be discussing coronavirus a year on. We will be joined by Joe Patterson, a church-related community worker based in Peckham, South London. And we'll also be joined by Poppy Thorpe, who, with her mum and sister Marissa, delivered loads of flowers on Mother's Day, ran errands and during the coronavirus lockdown and also helped deliver gifts to people. We'll also be joined by Dalian Ten Carter, a missional discipleship mentor based in the Northwestern Synod. So let's start with Poppy. How are you doing, Poppy? Good, thank you. Cool. So tell us a bit more about what you did during the lockdowns. Well, the first lockdown started and because we couldn't see our mama and granddad, we decided to do some crafts for uh, for them just to cheer them up and just uh, see how they liked it. Uh, so we did that and and then we 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 were in lockdown still and we were we were running errands and doing shopping for some of the people at church and and having do going on a walk with them but socially distanced Uh, and we thought well mama and granddad liked it so why don't we um do it for them and we did it for some people across the road as well um, so then they really liked it and and then the second lockdown came which um we decided to send letters to the people at church um in instead because we had already done crafts um and then that's that's what we did so what what did what what did the letters say well I wrote, I had to do in homeschooling a poem um, about a black fox, which is very rare. So I, so I wrote that in my letter and we just told them really how we were doing and what was happening. Oh, wonderful. And your sister, she's not here with us today, is she? Because she's feeling a bit poorly. Yeah, she's not here today, but um, she did what I did wonderful how do you feel what kind of feedback did you get well it was really nice to um come home and uh from where from a walk or something and find that we had letters from people and when we read the letters it was just nice to see that when we wrote letters to people it gave them pleasure and then to open the letters it was really exciting for us as well um, and you've you've also received something else, didn't you, for your efforts from the United Reformed Church? Can you tell us what that was? Well, we got a Lundy Award for um, our what we did in lockdown. Wonderful. And, it, and what did that consist of? So you got the awards. What else? We got the award, and we got um, some money to put towards to put towards the church and what we wanted to do with it to help the church. And have you decided what you're going to spend that money on? Well, we thought it might be nice um, to do something for junior church or maybe take them out somewhere, but we haven't really decided yet. 
Okay. Well, well done, Poppy. That's amazing what you've done. I'm sure your parents are very proud of you. Yes. Hi, Joe. Hello. Hi. Can you tell us what your project's been doing during the coronavirus lockdown? So I'm a church-related community worker working in a local ecumenical partnership church of the Anglican Church and the URC. And we also have a community centre, which I spend quite a bit of my time also helping to run. And so we do things together as projects, but we also are the local parish church. So it's a kind of mingle of the vicar and I managing things and being sitting on trustee boards as well as doing things with the parishioners and for their church congregation. And we were approached right at the beginning of the pandemic, just before lockdown, by um, people who had volunteers at our Robes uh, Winter Overnight Shelter and from local streets about what was going to happen to people who had to shield. So it began really from a whole group of people from Christian, non-faith backgrounds, just local people, to start a WhatsApp mutual aid group. And so from there, we had coordinated that and advised on the safeguarding and the procedure and how that could work so somebody could just ring a number and then get someone to come and get their prescription or whatever but do it in a safe way and then as the pandemic went on we um in the community center with uh, the fantastic staff i have to say working from home managed a, a meals program for older people a meal delivery that was run with local businesses we partnered with the local community center to do food delivery for people uh, getting boxes of provisions on a wednesday we ran our mental health from uh, zoom uh, our art therapy and our counselling service. And then we got back into the building in July to start that in practice because they're exempt activities. So we did that. And um, then we've started uh, an immediate emotional support group, which is a drop-in counselling for people coming to pick up their meals, which we gradually have gone for picking up the meals, um, uh, de deciding they were anxious and needing to talk to somebody immediately. So our counselling service extended to take that on board as well. So that's a new part piece of work that we're doing. I was just going to ask whether a lot of these things, um, were, were a lot of these activities being run prior to the pandemic or were they new initiatives that you had to start? Yeah, so some like the older people services and the mental health services were already in place, but we just had to adapt them for people um, so that they could be online and there was some contact. The difficulty is that not everybody's online. So we had to then have phone calls and many, many hundreds of phone calls to people having counselling sessions over the phone and support over the phone. And so, but the new things were the meal uh, cooked meal provision and the food delivery and then progressing that and the new thing was the immediate emotional support where you can just drop in on a certain time during the week and ask to speak to a trained counsellor who can then decide what the next step should be with you for your mental health and that's based on the idea that we're all anxious or not anxious in any five minutes it's an extraordinary situation to live through and our vulnerability changes on the turn of a coin doesn't it mm -hmm. so you might come to the building to pick up your meal on a Wednesday and see a friendly face for the first time all week and that is your turning moment so that's why we started that so a lot of it has been funded new work 
And a lot of it has been building on what we'd already established. But all of it has come from listening to people that we had already served in our community and understanding what their needs would be and what they felt was most important to them. And then we've done all of our worship online. We haven't missed a Sunday or an Easter or anything. And we delivered packages for Palm Sunday and for Christmas. And we started a newsletter. Over half of our congregation don't have access to the internet. So we started a hand-delivered newsletter with all the lectionary readings and prayer tools. And that's going to probably carry on. So it's good, isn't it? Because you can start new things and then adapt them. And as we're coming out of lockdown, some of those will keep and they will carry on just in a different way or the same way. It's either it's a really stressful time, but it's good if you can make opportunity for everybody in your church congregation and outside of it. And I think that has brought people closer together, definitely. And it's also such a fine balance to to try to reach, isn't it? When Because lots of services went online, isn't it? But you have to remember those that are not kind of thing. And it sounds like you, you struck that balance quite well. We tried. I think one of the things that was key was our art therapy because we run two different groups, a closed and an open group. And it became really clear to us that as soon as we could in July, we opened the building for that because people felt in person was much better in terms of their mental health. Mm -hmm. And that's, so we did all of that to make sure that that could happen. I think you're right. It is a balance. And we have to remember people are coming out of furlough and will not have the resources to be online all the time, you know, and, and when I've worked with people in with the Christians Against Poverty group, you know, the phone is the first thing to go that they can't afford. So we have to make sure that we are still including those people who don't have the resources. Well, it sounds like you have, Joe. And we are also joined by Dalian. Um, Dalian, please tell us about your work. So um, I work with 34 churches in Lancashire as a missional discipleship mentor. Um, so I definitely represent these churches. It's not my work. It is um, it is really partnership work, yeah. Um, yeah, I think there was emerging needs um, that was different in COVID, but I think some of it was just, like Joe said, built on existing projects um, and then adapt those. And and I agree with Joe. Uh, we had um, one of our projects is DARE, which is Darwin Asylum Seeker Refugee Enterprise. And um, we previously we would have English classes and conversational classes and things like that. Um, this couldn't really take place. So, um, and, and, what Joe said is is right. Um, I mean, the injustice is, is that some people just didn't have the devices, especially some of the refugee children that had to attend lessons at school. So first of all, we set up a gift page and we raised money to um, to buy some tablets. We also asked people if they have um, t- phones or devices at home that they don't use and we distributed these devices and then we could continue our English classes through Zoom. Um, the, we also work with a lot of partners um, like the council, uh, Rotary Club um, to provide food. Um, 
one of the schools, Tehidel, um, who is a, a Muslim school, they cooked meals. The Rotary Club um, kind of subsidized the meals. And right through the pandemic, we dropped off meals, cooked meals for refugees and asylum seekers. Um, there was also a food larder, and uh, we made sure that n none of the refugees or other people um, that struggle um, go hungry. Uh, we also, uh, a new project that brought so much joy and brought everything to another level was the mosque twinning. Uh, most of our refugees come from um, Syria, Iran, Iraq, and we twinned with one of the mosques. And um, that was just fantastic because some of the people in the mosque group were um, or are taxi drivers. And um, we could take some of the refugees to colleges where they do their ESOL classes. Or if somebody needs a meal, we would just ring up and we work together with the mosque very closely. We could signpost the, the Muslims to do their mosque. Uh, we also did all sorts of other fun things where we um, we provided the mosque with Easter hampers and explain what Easter is about with a Yorshi leaflet and we put traditional food in the Easter hampers and they're going to return this um, favour now after Ram Ramadan. So um, we set up a WhatsApp group so if any refugee was... Um, short of anything, furniture, um, equipment, washing machines, hoovers, whatever, uh, or if there was house clearances, we will just take photos, post it on it, on the WhatsApp group, and, and then provide, um, you know, any need there was. Uh, we had um, a garden also as part of the project, um, but this could carry on right through lockdown because it was... Um, for well-being reasons, but also seen as education um, and just to get people out of the house and, um, you know, so that they don't feel isolated. For the people who couldn't come out, uh, we dropped off seeds and they planted um, vegetables and flowers and just for them to see it grow um, helped with well-being as well. Um, we also... In this lockdown, some of the eco-churches set up other gardens and we, we worked a bit like allotment. Um, you know, we kind of, you will work a bit and you will take a photo and send it on and said, I've done this, so now it's your turn, so can you do this? And that's how we set up gardens and also for well-being. It, it was just fantastic and it just anything I think that grows give hope. So... So that was also good. Um, we carried on with some of the homeless projects, um, like Joe said, and just um, it was like a takeaway instead of sitting down. Um, the food banks carried on, um, and yeah, we just kind of said, you know, certain things was new, certain was just adapted. Uh, we worked also with HUK, um, delivering well-being packs. Um, with lots of information on, um, yeah, and, and work ecumenically. I think all our projects is, is very much ecumenical, um, working with 
Roman Catholics, Methodists, um, Church of England. Um, so partnership work, that was, I would say, the main thing. Um, I think for us, um, the thing that motivates us, and and I saw this actually of one of the CRTWs who posted it on Facebook. People who really want to make a difference in the world usually do it in one way or another. And I've noticed something about people who make a difference in the world. They hold the unshakable conviction that individuals are extremely important, that every life matters. They get excited over one smile. They are willing to feed one stomach, educate one mind and treat one wound. They aren't determined to revolutionize the world all at once. They're satisfied with one small changes. Over time, though, the small changes add up. Sometimes they even transform cities and nations. And yes, the world. And this was written by Beth Clark. But uh, we now adopted it as our mission statement. Um, and I think that that is what drives us. Um, a bit what Matthew 25 verses 40 say um, when you do it to one of the least, you do it to me. And we see every person as one of the least. And we, we do it just for that person. And that motivates us to do it for the next person and the next person. Um, so, yeah, I think that was what was driving us through this whole time. That, that, that's fantastic, um, Dalian. Um, and that sort of takes me on to um, a question I wanted to ask about motivation, that um, this has been a really, really difficult time for a lot of people. And many individuals and families and churches have had to focus mainly on looking after themselves. But it's obvious that you have all been involved in looking after other people and in going out into the community. So I'd like to ask um, Poppy first, if I can, what what made you um, go out, uh, and your sister Marissa, what made you guys go out and, and, and do something about this? Well, what was one of the most motivating things was when we first started doing it, it was the pleasure that was brought to other people when we did do it, which was very motivating, that people enjoyed it and it made them feel happy. It is nice, isn't it, when when you know that you're putting a smile on somebody's face. I mean, because you and your sister, how old are you, Poppy? I'm 10. And how old is your sister? Um, 17. 17. So, I mean, you guys could have been doing your own thing, you know, playing whatever or you know but it seems like it was really important for you to help your mum and help your church help vulnerable people in the community isn't it yes it's just not wanting people to feel lonely or just sad you just want people to feel happy and as you said bring a smile to their face Mm. it sounds like you certainly did that do you you and your sister have any more plans to help people going forward um well not yet but i'm sure we will in the future (laughs) 
that, that, that's that's fantastic to hear. Um, and I think that the whole point of the Lundy Award um, scheme that uh, Poppy and Marissa were recognised through is is to say that no one um, is is too young or too old um, uh, or to, you know to participate in the mission of God to love each other and to build a world of of peace and justice for all people. Um, and it's a great programme to, to recognise that. So thank you. Can I ask, Joe, um, what's, what's been your motivation and the motivation of your church to, to take action at this time? I think it is about um, a group of people who work there and who serve there in the community who won't stop because there's an obstacle they'll be creative and find a way round. and we have connections with so many people that we hear a story of something like an isolation or a difficulty or can't get shopping or food or whatever and we we have a motivation to 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 serve in any way that we can knowing that everybody is equal and everybody can find themselves vulnerable at any minute. And if it were me, then I could provide a service for somebody. But tomorrow they might be providing it for me. So our WhatsApp group is called a mutual aid group for that reason. So one person puts on there because they need provisions for our asylum seekers service. And another person wants to give something away. And another person needs their prescription. And another person would like a, a phone call. And, and so all of those people serve one another. And so the least is, is about all of us are the least. And we could be that person that needs the help. I also think there's a real sense of community that the church people who are not necessarily online were ringing each other up every day and um, often living in the same blocks of flats and calling each other from floor four to floor nine or whatever and telling us that's what they were doing. And so they wanted to serve each other, knowing that they still wanted to feel like a community, even though they couldn't be in the same place. And I think that's motivational, isn't it? That you want to uh, show the love of God. And we just had the lectionary yesterday about the love of God, uh, which was in our, our message yesterday in church, that it is abundant and it's abundant for everybody. And that's how we show it in community is by a phone call. And even if that's what you have to give, how fantastic is that? You have your time and you have your patience and you have the motivation to pick up the phone and call Beryl or Charlie or whoever. If that's what you've got and you give, then that's the love of God, isn't it? So It, it, it certainly is. Um, one thing that does strike me, though, listening to all of you, um, is that some of the things that you're engaged in are, are quite difficult or quite challenging to get off the ground. Um, so even things like going to visit people, um, you know, visit strangers or, or to give gifts to people, you, you have to be quite brave to do something like that or to pick up the phone and talk to someone about really difficult emotional things. Um, you have to be willing to put yourself in, in that situation of, of talking about these difficult matters and caring for, for refugees and, and feeding people it involves a whole lot of, of, of work behind the scenes to build up the, the community to do that and to get materials. 
I, I just want to, to ask if you had any advice for people who, who might be thinking, oh, I don't think I could do that. Um, you know, what advice would you give to them? Even though you're scared, it's fine because you've got to just think, I know that it will I know I've, I've said this a lot, but I know that it will bring this person pleasure. And even though I'm scared, if it brings someone pleasure, then you'll just know that they're happy and that'll get rid of your scaredness and just take it right away. Dalian, what do you reckon? I think it's it's difficult for me to put myself in somebody else's shoes that would find it difficult because that is just the logic thing for me because I I think for me um, you know one of the five um, pillars of well-being is to give so I know how much pleasure I get out of it and how good it is for my well-being so um, I would just say to people don't just think about that other person's well-being. Think about your your own, and and I can promise them that it will be good for their well-being. Um, all the volunteers said, and and I've seen it in my life so many times. I receive so much more when I give than the person who receives it. You know, I I feel so privileged and grateful for what I've learned from all the people that I were involved with, and. It's almost like once you find your tribe, and I mean tribe in the sense of the people who are like you and like to bring, enable social justice and all those things. I mean, to work with these people are just so inspiring. I, I just love working with people that feel the same as me. And we, we just, you know, we just encourage each other and inspire each other. And yeah, I would just say, you know, five minutes of, uh, we did that in wellbeing sessions as well, where I say five seconds of braveness. I don't even know if braveness is a proper English word, but I made it up. Um, you know, if you did there, just go, just do it. Don't think for five seconds, just do it. And then you will see it will just snowball. And once you've done it once, it will motivate you to do it again. Um, so, yeah, just go for it. Thanks, Ali. And, and Joe, what's your advice to people who might be afraid or reluctant or not really know what to do in terms of getting some of these things off the ground? So I think you need to be creative and you need to ask the people around you what it is that will help them. Not Don't assume that I know because that's not great. You need to say, so we're th- thinking about another mental health project at a particular age group and we've just done a survey to ask them what it is that they want because they know. But also I think if, you're, if your church or your organisation, your local community centre is doing something and you just keep thinking, oh, no, I can't, they're just people and we're all people. And once you start to talk and you find out about people's lives and their experiences, and some of those will be awful, difficult circumstances to hear about, and some of them will be joyous and, and awesome experiences that people have had. But they're still just people, and it is the stuff of life. 
and it's a learning experience and an experience where you can um, be a part of somebody's life, of somebody's journey into a new way of living or somebody's way out of a difficult situation. And you can participate in that. And that's such a privilege. And so if you're a little bit brave and step out of your comfort zone, you're probably doing more for that person than you can possibly know in that moment. And so we are all just people. And and that's all you're doing is talking to a person. And, and we can all benefit from that, can't we? Don't feel scared to, to make a mistake. Mm. Uh, we started projects that we thought, oh, this is going to be fantastic. And it just fall flat because it's what Joe said. It wasn't a need. We thought it was a need, but it wasn't. Um, or it just didn't work for, for that specific time. So don't be, you know, feel like, oh, I can't start something in case it goes wrong. It doesn't matter. Then at least you, you know that you identify the need that's not there. So you can just, you know, try something else and try something else and see when it works. And, you know, it's... Yeah. No, I agree with that totally. And I think we beat ourselves up that it all has to be perfect all the time. But it's such a learning process when you do volunteer work or you're working for a different church or a group of churches or whatever, or with community centres, because everybody's different. And so you learn and do it differently or change it or stop it. And there's and there's there's something, isn't there, about everything has a season. And sometimes you need to stop because that need has passed and start a different thing or adapt. And that's all OK, too, because we've all made mistakes. Everybody does every day. So, you know, don't worry too much. Be creative and, and be a bit brave. That's great. I'm just going to check, um, Poppy, if you have anything you want to say in response to that. Um, yeah, I, yes, I completely agree with um, what they were saying. And you've just, and if you do make a mistake, it's not, it's not some people saying to stop. It's saying this isn't really what I need right now, but the, but you need to find out what they do need. That's been that's been really enriching, um, and I think the the big message um, is that no matter who we are, whatever our age or ability or background, God um, is with us. God is at work through us, and we have to take that call to participate in building God's vision of justice and peace and love for all people um, and we have to take that with courage knowing that we will be supported along the way and that everyone including ourselves will be brought to fullness of life um, through that so thank you to you all um, for what you've shared today